0: you're listening to a no-show radio production mind your ears while we unpack the unusual this is the stranger
1: podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex.
0: And I'm Spencer.
1: Hi Spencer. How are you doing? I'm I'm great. Yeah, living the dream? Yup. Oh man. You know, it's 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 a good thing that we live on the East Coast and whatnot in this time of year. But uh I think I think it's time we get a little political. That's what yes. really people come to this show for is the politics.
0: That's that's absolutely it. There should be no escape from politics anymore. <laughs> Neutrality is as aside.
1: <laughs> We're here to make sure that you stay up to date on the politics and TV. And by up to date, I mean shows that came out 2010s.
0: And I right? think you're all over now.
1: Definitely. No, uh I think I think House of Cards is still going.
0: Nope, it ended. Like the, the last it season ends. that came out where like uh spoiler alert, uh because uh, one of the actors unfortunately had to take a sabbatical, so they They're
1: human garbage trash.
0: <laughs> so, so uh, and and it was it was a good time for it because the the show was already winding in a direction where he wasn't important anymore. Um, but they did a, a lady president season to wrap it up. Okay. Okay. And, yep. Gotcha.
1: My bad. Then I know nothing. But hey, in case you guys didn't know, I watched House of Cards this week because it was what I was told to do.
0: And I watched Veep because Veep is a show that everybody wants me to watch.
1: <laughs> I, just, I think this is a time where I can say we've done enough episodes and I feel like you and I have very distinct shows we watch. Mm-hmm. I think I tend to enjoy comedies more than dramas, or at least that's where my, my if I'm going to spend time and try something new, it's going to be a comedy before a drama. And this has yeah. been a fun experience because I feel like you've definitely given me more thoughtful shows than I have suggested.
0: <laughs> and I definitely have less shows that, that make me want to fucking, I don't know, all the shows that I've had to watch. Like, I did go back to Darman and Greg. Did that, you? Yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a really good show. It makes <laughs> me smile. Oh, I'm so glad. I, I'm probably gonna watch, how many fucking seasons is this show? What show? Because I, th- I think Veep ended this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ongoing. It went for seven seasons. There's a yeah. lot of Veep to watch.
1: It sounds like you're going to watch it. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who's demanded that you watch Veep. And I'm glad I found a way to force you to do it. Because that's what friendship is. Forcing your friends to watch the shows that they'll never watch on their own. <laughs> Particularly the pilots, right? Yeah. As we know, pilots are the strongest
0: episodes. So the first episode of Veep had a moment. It had a moment where, like, you could hear the switch being flipped on. <laughs> like, like I was so ready to just call it quits on the show. And then at, like, the exact halfway mark, they kick it up into high gear, and I just built it out with laughter. Like, I've been- Spencer,
1: start from mm. the beginning. Tell me about Veep.
0: Oh, I'll go first. Okay, so, so Veep- drops you in it is not house of cards No. (laughs) so uh julia louise dreyfus is the vice president Uh, she is selena meyer and the show so all i knew about veep is that a bunch of politicians and a bunch of staffers when asked about like what show gets it right is it is it the west wing is it house they're like no it's veep Veep gets it right. We're we're like, it's just people swearing and screaming and throwing bottles at each other and nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. And everyone's a jackass. It's like, oh, okay, great. So right off the bat, uh, Veep is basically a documentary about how Washington actually works. So I was excited. So it's about her, her staff. I was starting to learn names by the end of the episode, which... Normally it takes me a while. I'm someone where names don't always click, Mm -hmm. but Tony Hale plays Gary, the assistant, who is, it's just, so.
1: Do you feel like it's Buster, but maybe just a little smarter?
0: It's, I don't even know if it's smarter. I think it's Buster on Ritalin. (laughs) I think it's like Buster, like taking something for his mood. Because he's about as competent as Buster, he's just less manic, he's less all over the place mm-hmm. and it's it's a really good fit um you have her spokesperson, Mike, you have her chief of staff, and then the other people I start to to lose but boy, it's very character driven um it is. I don't know how it's structured. This episode was sort of a problem of the week. I don't know if it's going to continue or if it was a one-off. So, as any good vice president uh, wielding absolutely no power does, Selena is trying to push this clean jobs initiative where she's going to take the fight to plastic, we're going to get all plastic utensils taken out of federal buildings and replaced with ones made out of starch. And, wow, what a a great idea. Like, that's actually a really wholesome goal. Except for, plastic is super deep in bed with the oil companies, which you do not fuck with. And also, these starch forks uh, can't support anything because they bend under their own fucking weight, and they're absolutely fucking useless. So... She needs to land this because right now nobody respects her in Washington because she hasn't done anything yet. So this is going to be, like, her big thing. She's going to do this, her staff's going to help, and then she's going to get her foot in the door and people are going to, like, know what she's about. Mm -hmm. And the whole episode, for the fucking life of them, they can't get anything to fucking work the way they want it to. She goes to give an address about her fucking... Uh, about the initiative and then it turns out that like while this was happening it came out that oh oh she's going up against plastics and oil no we don't do that like that's where the money is so she shows up and there's like eight people and then they all get text messages oh don't be there and then like five of them leave (laughs) so she's like she's stuck in a room with like three people she was expecting a hundred to like have this this big like address and fundraiser and and her her fucking staff are just trying to roll with the punches and she's just sitting there getting more and more frustrated they they cut to like man she goes and and meets with a senator and the senator is doing all sorts of like the power moves like don't make eye contact with the person look like you're busy make Mm -hmm. them sit at the other side of the desk blah 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 and like (sighs) selena keeps speaking with her foot in her mouth and and like this woman clearly has it made like the woman across from her the senator she like she's been here a while she knows what the fuck she's doing she knows how to play the game and selena's just outmatched trying to get this woman's fucking support on anything and then a super respected congressman fucking dies And it turns out that he's he was super rapey and but they all have to put on the show because he's he's like old and respected. So they all have to sign the card. They all have to they all have to like pay respects. They all have to make a tweet about it. And it's like just all the high level dysfunction because these are just. These are just sociopaths. These are just, they're they're normal people, but these are like the people that can make it in politics this long. And they're not good people. And they're all just dealing with so much shit at the same time and everything compounds. And like, you have to have a Twitter monkey. You have to have someone that writes for you because you can't, you don't have time to do that shit. (laughs) Like, like no politician actually has access to their own fucking phone and and her right hand is is because i don't want to like recite the jokes And yeah. a lot of this show is one-liners and banter and witty dialogue like that's the whole show it's going through and just watching these high-strung miserable people fucking like like dig at each other and it didn't hit it didn't hit it first until selena is on stage in front of a bunch of people standing on a stool because she's so fucking short and like addressing the room and it's not going well because like the president canned everything like everything that she was going to talk about got fucking acts so she has no fucking talking points but she finds that her strength is just bantering with the audience and making them laugh and it's working for like a second and then she recites, a, like, a fucking line that the senator said earlier in, in which she makes a fucking dig. She, I okay, she makes a fucking dig at disabled folk and everyone just goes silent and fucking looks at her. And the second she hopped off stage and was trying to, like, organize, like, okay, everyone needs to form a human motorcade around me. And we just, and they're like, she's just... That, <laughs> The moment where she's just breaking down because she's fucked up so fucking hard, that's when I started laughing. That's when, like, it all just clicked together. That this is not a show about politics. This is a show about politicians being completely fucking inept and how there is no possible way that anyone in these positions could ever function properly and please everyone and be a good human being. Mm-hmm. and like it just sort of spirals like it gets a little wacky but not like overly so like I-, I wouldn't say that it stays like entirely believable but like the the premise of the comedy is all very human and all of the stories are very human and it feels like it feels like a workplace and like julia fucking sells the character God like doesn't she turning around and just making fucking faces at people (laughs) and just having like mini quiet meltdowns because you can't alert everyone around you that you're freaking out, but just like slowly closing a door and then jumping up and down and stomping your fucking feet while like silently fucking screaming at people. (laughs) Like, like you hear the stories these episodes absolutely happen in politics like our favorite po- we don't have favorite politicians but these like politicians like do these things and so people are like oh that never had it absolutely did because how the fuck could anyone handle a job like that and it's it's really refreshing to see like politics not fucking eroticized <laughs> like not like Because House of Cards definitely goes the, Mm -hmm. these are the most powerful like, cutting people on the... No, they're not. (laughs) Like, House of Cards is a great show, but House of Cards is like Game of Thrones. It's fucking fantasy. This feels like politics. This this is like... Because the Vice President is like, the most important non-politician in Washington. Like, everything you do is initiatives and lip service, and it's like, just having a person trying to do that job in a in a in a, like a fucking political environment that doesn't take you seriously. Everything's going wrong. Everyone's trying to use you, and just I really just want to watch more, but I restrained myself.
1: I'm surprised. That's not really like you. Usually I, you dive in and then you get yelled at by me.
0: I I did that with. Probably- oh, I Kitchen. I did that with a show, and then probably others that I didn't talk about and won't admit to. Good, I'm glad. I, <laughs>
1: don't, don't let- don't let our producer find out.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, no, this- I'm really excited to keep going. I'm really glad that we didn't get rid of our fucking HBO after Game of Thrones, because <laughs> I can go through it. Yes, I'm glad.
1: I- I also really enjoy hearing that you- Worked into it, and then there was that point where it just took off for you. Like that—that for me is a good feeling in a pilot, where we're yeah. kind of used to these 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 episodes that come out that are just like, okay, here's another pilot. Here's your characters. Here's the story, and like you might have a few light chuckles here and there. Yeah, but like to have have like a nice moment of like, oh shit, no, this is this is why people have been telling me to watch this. I'm I'm glad so- you had that.
0: So. The th- like before that it was just a lot of them being mean to each other and then there was like the shit monologue where it's like like he's such a shit and then like going on and on i'm like is this show just gonna be like them being profane and mean and that's the joke mm-hmm. and then it's like no the joke is that they're like awful people trying to make the very best of awful awful situations And everyone's inept, and nobody knows how to do their jobs, and everyone's a fucking user, and just, like...
1: So do you feel like after, like, after that click moment, the earlier stuff that, you know, typically, lowest common denominator funny, did those make you chuckle more afterwards, or is it still kind of flat for you?
0: Okay, so, uh, big moving shapes happened before the moment. So I didn't chuckle at it then, but now Mm -hmm. thinking back to it, it's fucking, like, hilarious in my brain. (laughs) Just, like... (laughs) I don't know, I, yeah, like, it retroactively became, like, funnier, because, like, I get the formula now. Mm-hmm. Like, we solved for X, I can finally look at this whole thing and be like, oh, it, it, it isn't gibberish, it, it's, this is a careful formula of fucking stressful nonsense.
1: Uh, you have to let me know how how the rest of it is. I saw that Veep's also on Prime now, so I might go back and see how how many seasons they have
0: yep no it uh i'm really excited to have this because it's i think i've needed a new funny show because i think i think you you guessed it but i had i had to almost finish season two um the first season of ap bio ends on a really strong kind of heartwarming note Mm. like i really like it um because it wraps up nice and neat and it's like a realistic bonding moment that feels really genuine and it's like this is as human as you can make jack and it's fine like it uh it's it's like mickey like bonding with the kids over being like white trash Mm -hmm. like it's like jack is able to like form a connection with we fucking hate people like let's let's fuck everyone and it's it's like a really good moment and season two of ap bio shits the bed so hard from moment one through every single episode all the way to the end to the point where that show got cancelled so fucking hard <laughs> season two was such an unbearable fucking slog like there there were good jokes scattered around but most of them felt improved. it felt like all of the writing was terrible like, the best you got was sometimes Patton Oswald would just go off script, it felt like. And it's like, th- that shit's kind of funny. But, yeah, other than that.
1: I was gonna say, like, I want to tip my own horn here, but I also want you to deflate my ego at the same time. I know good TV. hmm And I'm not gonna say that just because it's not good TV, it can't be enjoyed, right? Like, mm-hmm. we have guilty pleasures, whatever. But generally, I have a good idea of, like, what's gonna make it, break it, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and, I, I'm usually pretty good about recommending stuff like, oh, hey, this is going to be to your interest, I think you'll like it a lot, and people give me a lot of guff, like, yeah, sure, I'll watch it eventually, I'm like, dude, you're going to watch it and you're going to love it. Uh, I would say, I, like, besides some of the shit I've thrown at you at first, because there have been some doozies, <laughs> just to make you watch some shit, have I ever led you astray? Like, on purpose?
0: No, never on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, like, like, I, I think I... Maybe this was last episode, I don't know. I don't know how the recording goes. But yeah, I went back to Darman Greg. I've I've gone back to a couple of them. Like I was getting at this is this is my new funny show to watch. Like cuz th- there's a point where like you can't keep rewatching Arrested Development and Community in The Office and Parks and Rec. Like there's a point where like you have tapped the well dry. Like you're mm-hmm. you're hitting bedrock. Like so I'm um I'm happy with this. This is is very good. I'm very happy that I have sixty five episodes <laughs> of fucking nonsense to blow through. I give it a week. Probably.
1: <laughs> oh, it makes me so happy. I think this might be one of the biggest or one of the shows that you've expressed the most exuberance after watching it. That you've like really enjoyed it. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to know my opinion on House of Cards?
0: Go for it.
1: So, House of Cards. Led, I'm just going to refer to him as his character, Frank, because he is a piece of shit and doesn't deserve any respect, really. Even though all the charges were dismissed. It's amazing what can happen when you have money. So I, in case you haven't seen House of Cards, I, this has been on my list for, for, forever. I was one of those people that's like, yeah, sure. I'll watch it eventually. Although to be fair, I, again, I know good TV and uh, when people, I don't have a lot of people telling me to watch good TV. So I haven't had anyone to tell me to watch House of Cards and like be persistent about it. They are, that just isn't their genre of show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's been on my list. And I, you know, it's that love-hate feeling with Netflix originals. Like, it's either going to be really good or really bad. And they also had shitbag. But House of Cards, episode one, chapter one, was directed by David Fincher, who directed Fight Club, Seven, the mm-hmm. new Netflix original, Mindhunter, and Gone Girl. So if you've seen any of those four hits, I think you already have a good vibe of what the show's like. Even if it's just lights, camera, action, the visuals of it, you have a good idea of what this show is like. Yep. Uh, he also produced Love, Death, and Robots. So, mm-hmm. there's that. And then the writer for this was Bo Wilson. Okay, and it's like, it's a bunny trail, so there was a the writer of the book, there was a the writer of the miniseries, and there was a the writer of the television show. hmm And so, the writer of the book is Michael Dobbs, who also uh, is an executive producer on it, which, mm-hmm. oh boy, looking at the producing ladder is super fun. So you have your producers, your co-producers, your executive producers, your creative producers. The list goes on. (laughs) The executive producers tend to be people who have been involved in the project. And that's where you get your writers usually. So even uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? There's some episodes where he, Joss Whedon, was an executive producer, but wasn't really in the the meat of it. Producers are usually the ones there to establish, hey, I want this and I, I like this story. I like this character. I like this, I like this. And they're all, they're there until post-production and then once it goes to post-production they kind of dip out they're also in charge of marketing executive producers are there who have a lot of money invested or uh, reputation invested and they're there to kind of supervise the producers to make sure that their vision doesn't get fucked up either it's it's bureaucracy at its finest really but so michael dobbs did actually executive produce this bo wilson wrote the tv show And stuff that he's done, he has a pretty short writing list as well. There's a Hulu original called The First, which is talking about the uh, first moon or first Mars colony. Haven't watched it yet. Saw the IMDb page. I'll probably watch it. And then he also wrote a recent movie, Mary Queen of Scots, which has my girl Margot Robbie in it. So I know, right? So that that's who like is the creative source behind this. David Fincher also, right? I just didn't butcher that. David Fincher also. Directed the second episode and then he dips out of the rest of the show, Mm -hmm. which again we see pretty typical in pilots, right? You you get someone big to jump in and those kind of change hands as they go. So the whole episode starts off with a dog getting hit by a car and the car it's a hit and run disappears Mm -hmm. and you see Frank come out of his building and he's wearing a you know tux without the jacket and his bodyguard comes out with him. They're like, oh yeah, looks like this dog it's your neighbor's dog got hit and he's like okay yeah go ahead and tell the neighbors and frank's sitting there with the dog and he has this monologue that sets the stage perfectly talking about pain he says he's talking into the camera there's two kinds of pain in the world there's the pain that is there to teach you to educate you and that you grow from and then the second kind of pain is just to make you suffer therefore it is useless i don't believe in the second type of pain and he kills the fucking dog which of course is going to die anyways
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: And it's all like off camera, that part of it, you hear the dog whimpering, you never see the dog, but he like makes a little twist motion, and you know, that he kills the dog before the owners can come out and see the dog in pain. And that's it. That's your opening fucking scene. Boom. Done. And that's when I remember that this show is basically Macbeth. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's for, (laughs) I feel like I, I should do a Cliff Notes version of Macbeth, but I won't. If you don't know the basic concept, go Google it. I, I feel like speedrun, a uh, guy feels like he should be king. Kind of, but also super influenced by his wife. who's mm-hmm. like, you should be fucking king. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I should be king. And it's just, it's a tragedy and Shakespearean, whatever. So I feel like this opening monologue about pain is pretty short. It's like only a minute long, maybe. It's like, ah, ah, I know the kind of show we're going to be. Also, we have direct eye contact with the camera, which continues on throughout the show. Has mm-hmm. this very... At the time, I didn't realize that it was directed by David. And so for me, the thing I thought of, it reminded me of Ferris Bueller, about how Ferris is like constantly like conversation and then turning to the camera and then realizing So it's a little bit of that, but also, again, that fight club mentality of Jack's living regret, like this, this, this monologue that kind of breaks away from the scene. And I have to say, it sucks that he's, God, he's an actor.
0: Right? <laughs> because that's the thing. He's a garbage human being. But a boy, what, what a legendary fucking actor. Like what, what a piece of shit, what an extra layer on the fucking shit. They're like, ugh, I don't know.
1: Piece of shit should not be talented. All I'm saying is that his fucking Southern drawl throughout this entire thing was so convincing. I forgot that he isn't Southern. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, it's a beautiful, um, like Magnolia South. It's very,
0: very good. so so that was a big thing when the show was coming out as a bunch of people were like what's that southern accent like that doesn't come from anywhere and then he pointed to the exact place that it came from and it's a very specific fucking accent that comes from where frank is supposed to be from he's not just doing southern he did a shit ton of research on who frank was and it's it's real good and that dialogue is sharp
1: Oh, it's just—it's so good. He ends up having a line later on about like how um, Southern boys—they're—they're they're slow to speak but quick on their feet. And I'm just like, God, shit, that's a yep. good line. Yep. But before we get there, guys, there's a dog that gets run over, and they're on their way to a New Year's party. It's 2013, New Year, New Us. President Elect is holding a party, which all their parties also seem like they were just kind of in a rented warehouse. I, <laughs> I was a little surprised that they didn't do a bit more of that stage setup, but it's fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. And and you see him with his wife. And of course, he. this is like where you set the scene with the characters and he's explaining, this is so-and-so, and this is so-and-so, and this is why they're important. Here is, what's her name? Here's Linda. And I got her hired because she's Latina and she's a powerhouse. Check, 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 check. And like, he's like talking just cold facts. This is what this is like. This is how these people are. And just he, you get the feeling immediately he's a manipulator. Mm-hmm. He's also the majority whip in Congress, which means mm-hmm. he has a massive influence on what gets fucking passed. So, like the last thing you, you, so you see them celebrating the party, and then they're they being him and his wife are in the car, and Spencer, I'm not sure if I've ever expressed this, I'm sure it won't come as a surprise to you as as one of my good close friends. Uh, kink of the week is power couples. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I just have a massive interest. And couples that are, that know what they're about, that exude that, like, dominance, power, I control the whole fucking world even though I don't. It's good. It's a good look. I really like it. So I just spent most of this being fascinated by Robin Wright. You know, Princess Buttercup.
0: Like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's hard because, like, we, we give a lot of credit. Well, okay, so it's hard. We give, like, Kevin Spacey does a really good job as Frank. But that always seems to overshadow and it shouldn't. Robin Wright like steals the show in her own like right shit. <laughs> but but like she's really good. She's really fucking good. Claire is a great character.
1: And and as I go through this, I, I will say like I don't feel like there's a weak character in the bunch. Again they're all pieces mm-hmm. of shit, but I don't think there's really anyone that's written poorly. Oh, so yeah. they have this moment too where they're like, okay, so we're getting the big news tomorrow. What are you going to wear? You should wear this. Oh, you're going to look so handsome in it. And, you know, just couple banter. We get to a new scene. And it is at the, shit, Washington Herald, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we see this new character, Zoe. I did not look up her name. All I know her from is American Horror Story Murder House. Mm -hmm. She plays the crazy girlfriend. And I really like her. Like, I like her face. I think she has a really cute nose. I like her voice. And I just, I like what she brings to a scene. So, um, uh, it, it's, it's Mara, fuck, now I have to look it up, I almost had it in my brain. Mara Rooney, I believe. Fuck, nope, nope, no, not someone else. Yep, definitely I, someone else.
0: I haven't seen her in a while. I remember she kind of reminds me of, like, if somebody told me she was related to Anna Kendrick, I would absolutely believe yes. them. Without question. Yes.
1: It's like Amy Adams and, um... Yup. Fisher. Fuck. I can't remember it's... names at all today. Kate Mara. There it is. She's played by Kate Mara. I like how her nose is usually like a little over. Ow, no, she's just cute. <laughs> cute as a button. Still also just a uh, brings a lot of interesting energy to a scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So she's, she's working, and, but also like they keep getting her shit work and she wants to work more in politics. And they're telling her that she wants to run a gossip rag and she's like, that's not what I want to do. But no one takes her seriously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we cut to another scene of Peter who's also a congressman
0: Mm -hmm. question
1: mark and he is about to go into his office and there's someone there unexpected and it's someone he made a promise to saying that they would he would cover something and they're like you probably made this promise when we got you elected he's like yeah it's just not so easy and then he gets a phone call from the president but it's not the president it's his hot secretary talking horribly incredulous inappropriate sex stuff to him which is delightful and meanwhile he's just like convinces this guy that he's talking to the president and then the guy's like well what's the president like or is that even the president the president-elect apologies and then we find out that frank was supposed to be he was promised the secretary of state under the new president-elect mm-hmm. and he's talking to linda and linda's like sorry we're gonna go with someone else and he's like what <laughs> yeah yeah we just need you, you you're too good at your job basically you're too good at your job as a majority whip we need you to stay in congress so that way we can get stuff passed and He gets mad and kind of accuses... For me, it's like, nice guy meets politics. I got you hired. Mm -hmm. The only reason you're here is because of me. And you you owe this to me. And she's like, it's not my choice. Straight up. And this is the point where he's like, not that you get the feeling that Frank's a great guy, but definitely hitting that sleaze factor pretty hard. And so he gets this bad news. And the big thing about the Secretary of State was that he was supposed to be then making other connections. And then these other connections was going to give his wife, who runs a charity money so that way she can expand to an international platform mm-hmm. so he doesn't he's he didn't make secretary of state which means his wife isn't getting money and so he avoids her all day he finally gets home she's waiting on the couch and again this like power couple thing right and she's oh, you didn't answer my phone calls and you kind of expect the the typical house or not housewife but that typical wife thing of why were you ignoring me don't you love me what's going on why don't you tell me anything its it's not that at all she just straight up we have known each other this long and we don't avoid each other. This is like just straight up says, we don't avoid each other. What happened? And he explains more like what what the detail contained. And they're kind of going back and forth. And she's like, I expected better I expected more of a response from you than this. He's like, Well, what do you mean? And just he's very shut down about it. And she just keeps pushing him. Like, no, this was something you wanted, and now you don't have it, and now you're acting like it's no big deal. What the just very cold and I think if it was any other relationship, it would be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But you definitely get the vibe like that's just how they talk to each other and it's accepted and it's okay between them. And I th- there's a lot of different love languages and people need support in different ways. And it seems like in this first episode, you have this couple that seems to at least understand the relationship maybe isn't necessarily about love and it isn't necessarily about pushing each other up the ladder. It's just knowing that you need someone sometimes to give you that push. Anyways, so he at some point is like getting fed up. And he apologizes, like, I'm sorry. I guess I'm just sorry. And she's like, what? (laughs) Who who are you? My husband does not apologize to anyone, especially me. And she stands up and goes to bed. (laughs) And for me, like, that's such an interesting and, and, like, bizarre and clearly accepted thing in their relationship. Like, that's just not who he is. Mm -hmm. And that she's disappointed in him for apologizing to her. Like, that's so crazy. Crazy because it's not everyone's, what everyone's relationship is, right? So he throws a tantrum, stays up all night smoking. She wakes up early in the morning, doesn't sleep very well. And he's like, all right, I have a plan. And she's like, I knew you would. I laid out your suit for you, the Navy one. And again, just a really good line of, I love that woman. I love that woman more than a shark loves blood. <laughs> and it's uh, the writing. There's, I, I'm going to go through a few one-liners here that really hit home for me. And I, I think it's a little bit of that Shakespearean inspiration. Mm-hmm. There's just, just some strong dialogue that's really... Impactful, because again, like, oh, and it's so insightful. Like, what kind of character that is, right? Like, who, who fucking relates that like much love to a shark that loves blood? That is so primal and predatory, and just you know, in an instant, just what kind of guy Frank is. And it's also at this point that I kind of start recognizing that there are some noir themes going into this too. Mm-hmm. A lot of the monologues, even though we don't know much about Claire or Zoe yet, you still get this femme fatale feeling coming from a lot of the women in this show and Smoking in the Dark. like It's just a lot of, well, I don't think the show is a new art, a lot of nods to the genre. Mm-hmm. So he decides, uh, he wants a little bit more than retribution. I think he's just going to destroy everyone and everything in his way. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so calm and collected as he tells his staffer about this, of, yep, uh, we can't trust anybody ever again. Never, not once. So I need a gopher. I need this, this, this and this, and make it happen. And his staffer's like, yeah, okay. Which... <laughs> Again, kind of comparing Veep and House of Cards. Like, those are two completely... If Selena asks her staffers to do something, they fucking fumble and struggle and fail repeatedly. And they're trying to offer best next options, and she has no choice but to accept. (laughs) But House of Cards, it's like, he gets exactly what he wants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Let's see here. So, uh... There's some like small scenes just getting more character interactions. They go to church and there's some people there who are like, oh man, you're handling this super gracefully. He's like, yeah, it's great. Love it. I'm I'm a wonderful human being. Can't you tell? And then they go to a symphony and again, you're like, here's another really good line. He's talking to his wife and he's like, so I'm curious, are we patrons, benefactors, or lepers? And then she's like adjusting her jewelry as she says, believe it or not, we're angels. And like, it never gets touched on again. It's just like this really solid line that you don't need to have someone like <laughs> we recently were talking about friends coming in and like explaining to you what that means there's mm-hmm. no in-depth of like of them talking more like oh well, what do you mean by that it's just there's your line interpret it as well like good good shit
0: and just in that like line of thought i think what this show does is it's it's not built for a smarter audience it just trusts that the average viewer is smarter than everyone gives them credit for And like, and that's the thing, most people are pretty smart. Most people are pretty intuitive when it comes to story and character. Mm -hmm. Like, they might not be able to talk about the things that they like, but they can see them and they can feel them. Mm
1: -hmm. And this
0: is a show that doesn't hold your hand because it like respects you. And I think it loses that at some point. But in, in the first two seasons, holy shit, it's real refreshing to like have a show that just trusts that you're along.
1: That makes me happy. So a part of this symphony, opera, theater, rich people shit. They After this this line is exchanged, Frank looks at his wife. And he's like, I'm gonna go pretend to be on my phone outside. Go <laughs> get him, champ. And so that's what he <laughs> does. He goes outside, pretends to take a phone call. And then you see Zoe exit a car with a date. And she's in this tight, white little dress number. And there's a photo taken of him checking out her ass. After the opera, you see Zoe. And here's a point that's really... We've talked... I've talked. We've all talked. <laughs> this show is very well written. However, I have something I really need to discuss with you, Spencer.
0: Go for it.
1: She opens her fridge and there's a box of Pop Tarts inside of it.
0: So, this is a show about no. psychopaths. <laughs> this is a show about people who have absolutely no regard for taste or human life. I just, that- I've
1: never heard of people doing that.
0: Because you don't do that.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, but I think with some flavors I kind of get it.
0: I think there's only two flavors of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I think you might be mistaken.
1: What flavors are they, Spencer?
0: There's blueberry and okay. there are, there is strawberry. And Nothing I don't else. like strawberry and that's it.
1: <laughs> Spencer, I, I hate to tell you, but you're wrong. There's a lot more flavors out there.
0: I don't think that there are. <laughs> I don't think that there's a s'more flavor. I don't think there's a Coca-Cola flavor. I don't think there's a root beer float flavor. I don't think there's a plain Pop-Tart flavor. Because how, how do you make a plain pop There's literally, it's it's called vanilla. What's in there? Because it doesn't have frosting. What do you what do you put in it? Is it just vanilla extract? What the fuck is in that Pop-Tart? Oh, man.
1: <laughs> you know I got to send you a box of plain Pop-Tarts now, though, right? You know that, buddy.
0: Like, is it hollow? Is it just more dough? It, are you just like, is is it just like matzo? Like, what is it?
1: But Spencer, do you toast your Pop-Tarts?
0: It depends on how I'm feeling. And do I, you
1: butter your toasted Pop-Tarts? No. Have you tried it?
0: No, and I don't want to. How is it?
1: I didn't notice a difference. People talk a, lot, a big game about it. I tried it. I literally didn't notice anything different about it.
0: That's the thing. They're already kind of salty and savory. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're already buttered. Like when they're like pre-cooked, I feel like they're probably baked in some sort of butter. So like putting it in new butter, I don't think that sounds good. (sighs)
1: So I agree. Blueberry Pop-Tarts are god tier. Mm -hmm. That's primo. Primo Mm -hmm. good. But I also agree, s'more Pop-Tarts are up there. That's and all right. And the wild berry. Those are my three flavors that exist. Everything else can kind of go away. When I think uh, of stuff that would be good in the fridge, it's stuff like they have like the cookie dough or stuff that has just a thicker, icing like in the inside. Because, you mm. know, it's just a bunch of sugar. I could see it putting that in the fridge being tasty. But I wouldn't mm. do it to like a blueberry Pop-Tart. Yeah. Also, she had the lid open. Like she didn't close it. And that to me is also crazy
0: i i think it's just supposed to be she's a schmuck she not a schmuck like she like she can turn it on but like she goes back and she's a she's a poor writer like she doesn't really care about the material it's it's all about like what she's going to do it's about the story that she's going to tell about herself and as such she's a fucking weirdo creep that puts blueberries blueberry pop tarts in the fucking
1: well, okay, so you couldn't tell that they were Pop-Tart brand because they're smart and they put the nutrition label out. You know. You know.
0: Oh, wow. Well, if we zoom in, we could probably tell what kind of flavor we, extract we know. they put in there.
1: There's also something to say, like, it's probably just a prop. They needed something to make her fridge.
0: Not empty.
1: Not empty, but also not full.
0: Mm-hmm. But also
1: knowing who the director is and what he's worked on, I bet that was somewhat purposeful. I bet he knows someone that does that and he's like, this is fucking crazy. Let's add it. <laughs> yeah so okay here we are most of the story has been built up at this point and it feels like you've been pushing up a boulder to the top of the hill and now we're gonna see everything that's like been built up come crashing down so Zoe gets an email from I think her boss saying hey if you want politicians to take you seriously wear more than g-string because of course the photo was taken with a heavy flash so you could see that she was wearing which by the way it was a white g-string with a white dress oh darn shucks like it's not like she was being trashy about it should have worn a slip but say, la And so she's like, huh, I can work with this. And decides that she's going to go start flirting with Frank, which is probably the dumbest thing you could ever do. It's like flirting with a rabid dog. Mm-hmm. But she decides she's going to go blackmail him. And by blackmailing him, that means he will want to work with her in starting this new project that is, I want someone to ha- I have an insider on-, on the politician scene so that way I can write about politics. It does not go over well, to say the least and when she shows up and leaves the wife comes in just as soon as she's about to leave and again this is a time where a show could be like a jealous wife there's this cute young thing in the in the house and they were alone drinking together and she just looks at doesn't she doesn't even look at frank and she's like does that even really work the push-up bra on the deep vt <laughs> and he shrugs and he like he says something kind of quippy like maybe to some and like just it's so that they're, they're both so unimpressed by her <laughs> Like, there's not even a real threat in this woman's imagination because she is such a badass. (laughs) Frank, meanwhile, also finds out through Linda that uh, staying the majority whip is that the president-elect wants to pass this really left education bill. Mm -hmm. And he wants to do it within the first hundred days of being in office, which we all know is quite the challenge. (laughs) Yep. The guy who's writing it is super, super left. And it's Frank's job. To get this bill to actually be something possible he meets up with this guy who the whole reason they they even have him attached to it is because of his name his name has weight to it they don't really care about his ideas they just want his name behind it he reads it he says it's garbage throws it in the garbage or throws it through the shredder partly and tells him to start over from the beginning it just so happens that he also manages to find a way to get that shredded paper later and calls a meeting with zoe he hands the paper the bill to zoe and this is where things get, like, a little muddy for me, where I think the president-elect is supposed to be centrist. Mm-hmm. And they're leaking a bill that he was supporting that was super far left. And so it's supposed to be, like, a black mark on the president-elect that maybe he's not all that he seems. Like, is that, is that right? That's what the vibe I got off of it, at least.
0: I haven't seen, because okay. I never re-watched House of Cards. I watched it all as it came out. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen the first episode in a long time. So he is a Democrat, but they play with the the real life thing where you have like your corpo Democrats Mm. and you have your like progressive Democrats. And I think what they're trying to do is he's definitely a corpo. I think he wanted to pass this thing, but but what, what was it? Some kind of combination of those. I think it's... I, I don't even want to guess, because no, I'll just get it wrong.
1: You're good. It's okay. Again, it's been a while since you've watched it. You don't hold my feet to the fire about shows that I haven't watched in forever. I just, if, if you had a recent memory, I was going to rely on it. But again, it's me trying to understand some of the politics, because that's, that's the downside of political shows sometimes, well, is that it gets almost too political, and you're like, wait wait a second, what the fuck's happening?
0: Yeah, and, and what they do a good job of is, even though like Frank is a Southern Democrat and blah blah blah, they don't really bring real life politics into it Mm -hmm. and like frank does not always act in a very progressive manner (laughs) he uh and and a lot of like the the republicans they show off are not like typical republicans and like Mm -hmm. a lot of the democrats they show are like very different from the, the the normal lineup you see and they they do they do very good at like Republican and Democrat does not mean anything in Washington. It's all about your alliances and your, like, internal guilds. Like, there's, like, 18 different fucking factions within this one side. Like, politics doesn't mean anything. It's the people you know and the people you're playing ball with. So I don't know what the the significance was.
1: No, it's okay. And I'm sure as I watch more of it, it'll get more clear to me as well. But, mm-hmm. so... It's like he's he's starting to set up his empire. and He's starting to see the like the, the first moves of the game too. So yep. Zoe sits and cranks out and cuz again for her she just wants to be taken seriously at this job. Mm-hmm. So she already wrote the paper so that way the lead political correspondent can't do it. Mhm. She has done all the research and it's like it's good to go. All you have to do is post it. And he also has a meeting with Peter, the guy that we talked about way at the beginning, which mm-hmm. episode 1 his storyline's pretty forgettable. Like you have a few cutaway scenes. There's a time where he's fucking his secretary and she is a little insecure about the relationship. And he says, I love you, baby. And it's like the first time they say it, ooh, yay, great. Next time you see him, he's drunk driving with another girl,
0: mm-hmm. I think presumably a prostitute. Yep.
1: And gets pulled over for drunk driving. He gets bailed out. And in another conversation, his staffer is talking to the police commissioner and being like, well, sounding or being the mayor of the city sounds pretty nice, don't you think? And so, like, they're just starting to set up all these different pieces. Frank gets a call letting him know that Peter was arrested for a DUI, brings him into his office for a meeting, blackmails him about it, saying, oh, yeah, uh, I won't tell anyone about this rap sheet of yours, but I need your blind loyalty. And Peter's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, sure, of course. And you know Peter's a fucking schmuck. Like, don't trust him further than you can look. And he, being Frank, sits up and, like, looms over Peter and is like, don't take this lightly. (laughs) You might think you know what loyalty means, but, like, you you don't know. And just is this, he's an intimidating guy, but then he, like, turns it up to ten. Crazy. And Peter's like, yeah, 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 sure, man, sure, of course, no problem. Just don't don't ruin my fucking career. (laughs) He also talks to a woman named Kathy, and it sounds like he was asking her if she would ever want to be Secretary of State, which gives you the idea that he's starting to build a presidency election, presumably, in the next four years. And just, like, you know, food for thought kind of ways. And she's like, well, hypothetically, I would assume. He's like, I don't want assumptions. I want to know. So you're getting like these bits of like beginning conversations of uh, evil plan, I'm sure. hmm And what happens next? What happens next? This is like, this is really towards the end. So the show ends with him going to a barbecue place at like 730 in the morning. And the guy opens up just for him. And again, he has this kind of monologue moment of, oh, it's, um, it's after the inauguration for the president-elect. There's also this other really good moment he has of power is like re- real estate. It's all about location, location, location. The closer you are to power, the higher your property value. And guess who you'll see on the fr- on the edge of the frame during this this inauguration? And the camera zooms out, and just again right on the edge of the frame, you see Frank waving at the camera. Just <laughs> well well timed good shit that again now knowing is very David Fincher. It's a, it's, it's a vibe, right? Oh, yeah. uh, so after this inauguration, he goes to this barbecue place which he talks to he frequents a lot and that it's really hard to find good barbecue around here and that where he grew up a rack of ribs was a delicacy and that you never got it and he's like but now i can come here at seven thirty in the morning and he'll open the doors for me to get it and just kind mm-hmm. of oh a, a commentary without explaining how much of a power house he is too Of like i i like this aspect of my life and i plan on keeping it and he gets a paper and the first half of it is the inauguration, and then the second half is the paper that Zoe published. Oh shit! Is after the inauguration ball. Doesn't matter. Fucking a. Who cares? <sighs> and that's really the episode. So like, it ends with him looking at the the newspaper, and the camera zooms out, and you see he's kind of in this dingy area of town.
0: So, are you gonna keep watching?
1: Oh yeah. No, it was hard not to.
0: Good then, because I was. um So my my opinion on House <laughs> of Cards. Hey, good fucking move, getting rid of him for the mm-hmm. final season. But going back and re-watching it, because a lot of people have blacklisted the show, mm-hmm. and I think that's a discredit to, like, Robin Wright and all mm-hmm. these other fantastic actors and all the directors and all the writers that, like, did a really good fucking job putting a show together. Like, I hate to think that all that hard work got ruined because of one evil fucking prick. Mm-hmm. And I I think you can still watch it and enjoy it and be like, I really like Frank as a character. And also, I hope this dirtbag, I hope they're saving a seat in hell for him. (laughs) Like, I, uh, because if not, there's like a slew of clips to show you, but you're going to get to all of them. And I'm so excited to talk about them when they come.
1: Yeah, no, I, I have that element of respect for people who, who can boycott things. I have usually when I boycott things, it's like, this is a bad show now, so stop watching it. Like, don't give them the ratings if it's a bad show mm-hmm. just because you like the old stuff. Like, no. Show them that yeah. they're, they're doing a poor job. So, like, Archer, I didn't watch Vice for a really long time. And I probably didn't watch Archer for two or three seasons after that came out because I was upset. I have a lot of reasons. I have a lot of feelings about Archer. Um, but, I so I have, I understand where that's coming from. But I think you're also right. Like, there's a lot more to that show than just that guy. Mm-hmm. That piece of Living garbage. Uh, <laughs> we're clearly not biased here on first. Clearly Strong. not.
0: Clearly. clearly, we we're we're very neutral on on the 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 issue of sexually harassing underage boys.
1: Oh hey, Spence. Just uh, while we're talking about happy, uplifting news, I just got a report: five killed, twenty-one wounded in Texas shooting. Oh wow! Wow, tis the That's season. It's been a few weeks. Yep. But yeah, no, I I really do look forward to it. I enjoy a good political drama, and it's not something I grew up watching. Like in the house, my parents were really super into it, and so I think that's a part of it. When I say, oh hey, you you seem to be watching more dramas, I seem to be watching more comedies, it's because I watch more comedies with my parents. That's what I was raised on. So that's my first thing I'll go jump to. Mm-hmm. But I do enjoy a good. That those were the parts I've liked about Game of Thrones. Was it season two or three? Um. Cersei, that's her name. Yep. Has this really good monologue between her and Peter about knowledge is power. No, power is power, and that's just one of those things that really sit like sits with me a lot, and I think about oh, yeah. pretty frequently. And that there's just different ways to get what you want, and watching how those different motivations interact with one another, mm. and ruin each other's plans, and help each other's plans inadvertently. I just the whole thing's super fascinating. I don't think I would ever survive in a political arena.
0: Oh, I certainly would not. You you need to have no morals whatsoever.
1: Yeah. And but it, it's and maybe that's what can we say? It's the eroticism of politics. Mhm. Yeah, I'm I'm horny for politics. Straight up. Like shit like this is super good. About it, all about it. I'm all about the power couple that is just taking what they want because they can. And of course, they're going to face some ramifications for that eventually. I'm sure because it's TV. And I don't know, it's just it was good and I I look forward to watching more of it. Now, I'm a little bummed that there's not more than one season of Robin Wright as, as president. But what do you do?
0: They, um, I, so I didn't watch it because even before that, I would say season two, up until the end of season two, it is fan-fucking-tastic. And I think even parts of season three I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But the show just keeps going and it keeps going. And it, what it ends up turning into is it really the witty dialogue starts to slow down quite a bit, mm. and what you kind of get is really honing in on that eroticism. Like, random side characters you don't give a dick about, just, like, standing in a dark room talking nonsense words at each other. And it's <laughs> like, I feel like this went from being written by some of, like, the most brilliant fucking people you could find to, like, mall goths. Like it becomes a point where it's just dark and edgy for the sake of it, and like even Frank starts to fall apart where he's just evil, like he's just evil at this point. Like it's not about like there doesn't seem to be like a unified pursuit for him other than be a bastard, (laughs) and it's like it doesn't even feel like the like the Macbeth like descent into anything. It's just like but you'll you'll see it and you'll judge for yourself because a lot of people still really liked it, but like it started to feel like it was losing substance. And I hear that like Robin Wright steals the show in that last season, but all those side characters that just suck up air oh, it's just like maybe if I could find like a like a super cut of just Robin Wright doing things i would be I would be really invested, but I don't think that exists.
1: I I can tell you right now, I'm super uninterested in Peter's storyline. I don't give two shits about him. I like it's not even like redeemable scumbag. I'm like, nope, I like nothing about him.
0: Okay, good. Because I think that I think that's how you're supposed to feel. Okay. And like, he is a pawn. He's not a main character. He is Frank's fucking pawn. Mm-hmm. And it's it's gonna it I I think not him himself but i think he he goes through some stuff that like makes him he is not someone cut out for politics and like he is the vessel that they use to show you need to be like fucking evil to to like to some degree you have to have the the switch to flip on and just be like a bastard to like function in politics Mm -hmm. and he's not like a good dude he's sleazy but he's not he doesn't have, like, an evil gene. Gotcha. And it, like, it's good. It pays off real well.
1: Okay. I know that's, like, my beef with Mindhunter, is Mm -hmm. that the first episode of Mindhunter, I'm like, great, it's a show about white man pain. Like, yay. I had no sympathy whatsoever. And by the Mm -hmm. end of season two, I feel the same way about Holden, where I'm like, "Mm, still don't care about you, buddy.
0: Okay, because I saw the new trailer for Mindhunter, and I was like, Man, that's almost interesting enough for me to click on it, but I, I have other stuff going on.
1: <sighs> if you're a completionist, watch it. But you know, if you're not, you're not missing out on anything. Okay. I say that I, I plan on talking about it in our finale, so I won't I won't touch too much more on it. Okay. Because uh, that was one of the, the many shows I watched over the year and it's worth noting about why I don't like it. Cause that's why you guys listen. You guys picked this. All thirty some of you are like, wow, these kids. They know what they're about.
0: They—that's the thing. It's like we're not terribly insightful. We're just—we're <laughs> just bullshitting, and I like it.
1: I—I I like our kind of half-assed explanation of stories that go on too long.
0: My, see, now I'm worried about the, talking about what I've watched this year because it's been—it's been a lot of trash and anime. Good, good. It's been a oh, oh boy.
1: Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? House of Cards, or... I know for you, it seems like our dynamics is a little different. We'll have, like, a few questions about that episode, but I feel like you really want to talk about stuff once I finish watching the whole show.
0: So, I would say the things that I want to talk about are the big moments that would be absolute fucking spoilers for you. Fair. Like, I want to talk about, like, I I don't even want to, like, give, like, vague examples, because I feel like you could figure it out.
1: Well, yeah. It's, like, my superpower.
0: Yeah. So, I don't... I don't want to say, like, oh, but I want to talk about like, there's, like, a moment, like, like I don't want to do yeah. that. Okay, so, that's fair. That's fair. But I I want you to keep watching. I'm glad that you're excited to do so, because, like, the fucking, like, uh, nope, not, no, nope. no, nope,
1: don't. I, I guess, so the only reason I mention it is because, I know, I, I, I go back and listen to our show after it's posted. hmm You know, like a crazy person. Actually, not like a crazy person. Like someone who's, it's their job. And uh, <laughs> I just, I get to the end where I'm done talking after I've talked at you usually much longer than you've talked at me (laughs) because john's awesome and cuts out most of our tangents (laughs) but i always feel like man he just has nothing to say i'm like wow am i just not interesting enough am i not providing enough like context or i'm like no it's just what i feel
0: like happens is i feel like you are more thorough in your description (laughs) and your (laughs) opinions so i feel like anything i have to ask you about like man what did you think about this you're like you have your notes and you're like ready to tell me what you thought about like these things and like typically you pick out the moments that like stood out to me. Oh no. So I can't like I can't be like, Yeah, but what did you think when you found out that the cabin was was actually like the the, thing. Ki- the, the kitchen and like oh man <laughs> like but I think that's just a part of you being thorough and like I uh monster Spencer. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just so excited for you to watch this show because I can't get anybody to. Oh,
1: that's a shame. That's a good fucking they're, show.
0: There, okay, I might send you a clip because it's, like, innocuous. Okay. Um, When Frank was growing up, he went to some kind of, like, like, on the East Coast, we have all those fancy, like, Navy Coast Guard academies. Mm-hmm. He went to one of those and he was part of, like, a quartet. What? Because Kevin Spacey is a really good singer.
1: Stopping Talented.
0: They bust out his chops a couple times, and they're some of the best fucking scenes in the show.
1: I feel like when. (laughs) I feel like when you do some awful crime, if you're talented at anything in the arts, it should just be taken away from you. Blocked.
0: Man. That won't make sense for
1: a few more weeks.
0: Man, I just.
1: So, hey guys. I'm not sure if you noticed, but we did a real good job of not talking too much about politics despite talking about political shows. We don't want to know your politics, so fuck off. But if you want to tell us that our opinion about House of Cards or no, I don't even want to hear your opinion about Kevin Spacey. He's a piece of shit. If you want to talk about our opinions of the show though, feel free to join us on the Discord where the link is in the description. And on the Discord you can let us know how wrong we are even though we know we're right. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye